All right, good morning. We're going to pray before we get started. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for bringing us into this room. In so many ways, it's a miracle that any of us would even be sitting here. So, God, we thank you for your grace, and we pray that your spirit would lead our time here. God, we are so desperate to understand what it looks like for us to be obedient to you as parents and for you to use it to draw our kids to yourself. So we just pray that you would lead our time together, and um, God, that this would be honoring to you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I know you guys met my husband this morning, Dave. I'm Melissa, and um, we're excited to be here and talk about this journey of parenting that our church is beginning to go on. I, uh, I'm going to be honest and say that I think this is a pretty humbling topic to be invited to lead discussion on. Um, definitely, I don't think either of us would say we feel very qualified to lead a discussion on this, but I felt like uh, even this week, the Lord gave me lots of material to use um, with my own children. <laughs> one, of the, uh, one of the things that happened this week uh, our oldest daughter was ready early for school in the morning, which doesn't happen ever. And she has been baptized and professed that she would like to live for Jesus. And so I said to her, you know, Sydney, we've actually got 10 minutes. And part of walking with God is talking to him about your day and starting your day with him. So if you want to go and read your Bible for a few minutes, you can do that. And she had the sweetest look on her face and was like, okay, where's, where's my little Bob Goff book that Beth Ann gave me? And so I sent her on her way and just was thanking God for such a sweet moment with my girl. And she peeked around the corner again and said, Mom, can I ask you just one more question? And I said, sweetie, yes, what is it? I'm so excited to hear what God's doing in her little heart. And she said, can you please just think about getting me a turtle? <laughs> Nailing it. Yes, I am the one to lead this charge. <laughs> No, I think if we're honest, none of us would, um, would even talk about the discipleship aspect of parenting if we waited until we felt qualified to do it. You know, this is such an um, endeavor that we're all on, and that's part of why we feel excited to be beginning this tradition in our church of this twice, a, twice in the fall, twice in the spring, parenting Sunday school classes, because the reality is, this is a journey that we are entering into for the long haul. And even as I look in the room, I see some of us holding babies, and I see some of us who are holding grandbabies. You know, we are, in, we are all over the spectrum when it comes to the ages of our own children and what it looks like to disciple them. But I think one of the things that is going to be um, a gift to us, and has already been to me, is to just continue to meet together and to continue to hold in front of us the goal that we would be pointing our children, to the love of Jesus, to the one who can never fail them, and what that can look like for us in our own families. I also think it's so, I mean, we didn't plan the timing of this, but God knew that this would fall right in the middle of our Second Timothy series with church. And I think it's pretty neat that as we talk about what it looks like to be and to make disciples, that we're beginning to talk about that here in our parenting times together. So we're really excited because I think I wrote this down. That parenting, the way that God intended it to be, is discipleship in its truest, most basic form. And I read this quote this week that I thought was so powerful, and I'm going to read it to you because I think it kind of frames up why it's worth it to be having these kinds of conversations. This is from Matt Chandler, and he wrote this. One of the greatest responsibilities is the call to all parents to be disciple makers in their own homes. A disciple maker is a follower of Christ helping others follow Christ. 
No matter what your household looks like, your family is the primary instrument and environment for discipleship in all the fantastic and flawed ways that it might be worked out. And I loved this. He said, your persevering and often thankless spiritual leadership in your home is one of the most important things you will ever do with your life. It's one of the most important things we'll ever do with our life. And yet I feel like it's so easy for it to fall down the ladder of our our priorities. And so we feel really excited to begin talking about this together. And like I said earlier, our hope today is just to begin a conversation that would continue to happen in our life groups, in our friendships, in our churches, where we are having the conversation what it looks like to be passing down our faith to our children. Um, And I would say it would be impossible to make everything that we say here apply to every person in every parenting situation. But I do think One of the things that I so love about this church after our first three months here is the generational aspect that we have in our church. And so I would say maybe you're hearing something that you think, gosh, that would have been helpful 20 years ago. Or maybe you're hearing something that you're thinking, oh, uh, that, that might be helpful 20 years from now. Regardless, I think the different generations of voices in this room are so valuable and so needed. So I just want to say thank you for being here. Regardless of the season of parenting you're in, I think we need to hear from each other and be processing this together. So I'm grateful for just the different generations of people that are here. So we wanted to just give a couple more disclaimers before we started. Thanks, Melissa. We, uh, we know that parenting can be tricky to talk about. Um, I would say that this room is probably right now filled with a lot of unwarranted shame, but it's probably also filled with some unwarranted pride too, because we have a way of taking a little bit too much credit for both the bad things and the good things, you know? And uh, I just wanted to say this morning that of course we have parented imperfectly. I also wanted to say, I wanted to reiterate something Melissa said earlier. We've only been doing this for 11 years, okay? Our oldest kid is 11. So you might be here as an older parent thinking, you have no idea what's coming. And we get that, okay? We're not trying to be up here as the experts. uh, But we do think this is an important enough conversation. And we have something to offer. And we just want to facilitate. We want your voices. We need your voices. But inevitably, in a room this size, there's some heartbreak. There's some sadness, There is no one that can break our hearts quite like our kids. And I know some incredible people who deeply love Jesus and who have faithfully served them in their homes their whole life and their kids have grown up and have walked away from the faith. And it is heart-wrenching. And the reality of that can lead to one of two extremes. I think on the one hand, we could say, well, God is sovereign, and so it doesn't really matter how I parent. God is sovereign, and so throw caution to the wind, and whatever will be, will be. And that is clearly not the posture God wants us to have. But on the other hand, um, we could be the kind of parent that says, it's all up to me. The good things that they do, it's because of my parenting. And the bad things they do, the sins that they commit, it's my fault. And of course, that is not the posture that God is asking us to have either. He's calling us to live in the messy middle where we acknowledge his sovereignty, that there are no guarantees. There's no guaranteed outcome to our parenting, but we're still called to live and parent and love a certain way. Has anybody ever read uh, The Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster? It's an old book. I think it came out like in the 80s. 
maybe earlier. Um, it's a great book about following Christ and applying spiritual disciplines to our life. And at the very beginning of that book, there was a quote that I've hung on to. And it's not really about parenting, but I think the principle applies to parenting. And I want to read it to us this morning. He says, a farmer is helpless to grow grain. All he can do is provide the right conditions for the growing of grain. He cultivates the ground, he plants the seed, he waters the plants, and then the natural forces of the earth take over and up comes the grain. This is the way it is with spiritual disciplines. There are a way of sowing to the, they are a way of sowing to the spirit. By themselves, the spiritual disciplines can do nothing. They can only get us to the place where something can be done. And this is what I think we are doing here. That you can almost uh, replace spiritual parenting with spiritual disciplines in that quote. That what we're doing is trying to cultivate an environment that makes spiritual growth more probable and more likely. Melissa? That's good. Yeah, so um, we did just want to acknowledge in the room that we feel pretty young at this, but also that no matter what season of parenting you find yourself today, we really believe, and as we prayed, just had the thought that it's never too early and it's never too late to begin engaging in the spiritual leadership of your own children that God has entrusted to you. And I think it's tempting to believe when they're little, like, oh, we don't have to start that yet, or when they're grown that we say, okay, our job is done. And the truth is, parenting and raising our kids and pointing them to the Lord is going to be a job that we take seriously forever. And so, Can I jump in and say one yeah. thing that I forgot yeah, to yeah, say? Yeah. I, think, I think this is... Uh, this is one of the things I wanted to encourage us to think about. I heard somebody say one time, nothing ever comes into existence uh, that didn't first live in someone's mind. Like any building that we see in Roanoke existed first in the mind of the builder before it actually was a building. And it would be crazy if we saw someone laying bricks and we went up to that person and we said, hey, what are you building? And that person said, I haven't decided yet. I'm just laying bricks. <laughs> we laugh at that. But if we are honest, I think sometimes that's how we live our life. We just wake up and we're doing things, we're going through the motions, and we don't really have an idea of what we're building. And so one of the ideas for us to frame this conversation is what are we hoping to build? Have you thought of it? Have you pictured what you're hoping? There's no guaranteed outcome that our kids are gonna definitely turn out this way if we say that we're gonna build it this way. But have we written down what we are hoping for, what kind of attributes and characteristics we hope they end up with, and is the environment of our home making that more likely? So, back That's to you. so good. We should write some things down. I like that. Yeah, let's, yeah. we should do that yeah. too. Mm -hmm. um, so, we, the bottom line is we hope we leave today, each one of us, feeling a, um, a desire to kind of evaluate what would be some things that we want to begin implementing in our home to intentionally be spiritually parenting the ones that God has given to us, whether that's children, grandchildren, or just children who we are mentoring. Because the reality is, if you have children in your home right now, you know that we order our whole life around their needs. I mean, you think about it, or maybe you remember back to these days, but their sports, their social life, 
their needs for food. I mean, we spend hours and hours cooking, planning, driving their basic needs. And yet, as believers, we also believe that they have precious little souls and a heart that needs to be nurtured as well, that there's a spiritual need that is just so easy to neglect as parents. It's so easy to cross our fingers and bring them to church or drop them off at Young Life or Bible study and just hope that that part works itself out. You know, that they, that someone else can kind of take care of that and we'll take care of the, the, the physical needs. But the reality is we want to steward those spiritual needs. We want to engage with them. My first question, should we make this a discussion, you think? 10, 15? Sure. Okay. Um, so my first question, and we thought we could do it at tables to start, is why is it that it's so easy to neglect the spiritual aspect of parenting and the spiritual needs of our children? Because the other things we are doing well, most of us, you know, we're keeping it functioning. And this is just something that falls off our plates so easily. Why is that? Why is it so easy for us to neglect this piece? So take like three minutes at your tables, and then we're going to talk about this together. And listen, if you don't have kids and you're in this room, you probably will one day. And learn from the people. If, if your kids are already gone and you're sitting at a table, please share your wisdom, your successes, your failures. Yes, so good. Discuss. Thank you. This is... Begin to wrap it up. Begin to wrap it up. Something to eat. I'm starving. Oh. Okay, let's come back together and just have a few people share some of the things you guys talked about. So come on back. The crumbs, the crumbs. All right, what are some of the things, I'm very curious to hear, I love it, I'm very curious to hear some of the thoughts that you guys had about why it's so easy for us to neglect this piece. So tell me your name. Okay, go ahead. Uh, our schedules are so busy between running them around from after school activities to school to uh, whatever, yeah, their, their social life. And sometimes we neglect to realize that we're not ministering to them correctly or the way we should because we let them have too much in their life. Mm, that's a great one. I mean, where do we fit it in? You know, like that's one piece is where does this even fit in our schedules? Yes. 
along with being busy, um, the world says it's unnecessary, that you don't have to go to church, you don't have to go to church, you don't have to go to Sunday school in order to be close to Christ. That is a great one. And I think that um, it's so, we're, we're, we're almost going with the flow to drop them off at their sports or feed them, you know, the basic things. But this is to, to spiritually parent is to go against the grain in a lot of ways. That's a great one. Any other things that were significant that y'all shared about how, why this gets neglected? <gasps> yes, Holly. So Eric brought up a good point of a lot of times we go with the flow and fall back on how we were raised and don't always question if how we were raised is the model we want to pursue. And so it's easy to just automatically do that and not build that foundation or have that really clear conversation similar to laying the bricks and not having a plan. Yes, absolutely. I mean, there's so many of us in this room that know how to cook a meal because we watched our parents do it. We know how to do certain things because we watched our parents. This is an area that most of us probably didn't watch our parents do. We don't, there isn't an example that we're following that's easy. And so we're kind of you know, ill-equipped maybe, or feel ill-equipped in how to even make this happen. Let's have a couple more. Other things that you felt like were significant, yes? We're just tired because our own lives are busy. We're tired. So tired. (laughs) Yes, you are, sweetie. Yes, you are. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. There's a reason for this. And I think, let me just make sure I got, yeah, I think that there's, There's so many reasons, and I even wrote down, sometimes I feel like I've tried and I've failed. You know, like I tried to get them to reading the Bible in the mornings before school. It didn't work. And so now do I try again? What do I do with that? Maybe you feel like it's just too late. My kids are not interested. They don't want it. I don't want to force it down their throats. So we're going to give up. And I think that one of the things that God has given to me as I've thought this through more and more this week is that Jesus, one of the greatest things that we can learn from the way he lived his life while he was here on earth was the way that he depended on the Father and that he never got to a place where he arrived, where he said, I don't need to depend on God anymore. And I think in parenting, it's so easy for us to want to get to a place where we're like, ah, we figured it out. Now we know it works for our family. I mean, even when they're babies, I remember trying to get them to sleep through the night. And as soon as you're like, oh, there we go. It's the swaddle and the dream feed and the noise machine. Now they'll sleep through the night. Something changes. And all of a sudden, it's different. And I think that continues through parenting. And it's not an accident. God has ne- didn't design us to ever get to a point where we say, now we figured it out and we don't need him anymore. God designed us to be in relationship with him that is dependent, where we're leaning on him for all of this. And I think parenting is a, is a really good picture of our need for him. Jesus himself said, remember in John 15, he said, apart from me, you can do nothing. And we will continue to experience that in parenting, I think. You know that as we figure things out or operate in our own wisdom, it's easy to feel like, oh, now we found what works. But the truth is, Again and again, God is going to bring us back to needing him and needing him to show us the next steps for our family and for our children or grandchildren. Um, I think also in line with Jesus' dependence on the Father, another thing that we can learn from him is just the way that he prayed and pulled away with the Father. And I think that's one thing that all of us can begin to practice is an intentional giving to God of our children Oswald Chambers said the only thing better than going to men on God's behalf is going to God on man's behalf. And I think this is such a reminder to me, even as we prepared for this, that 
the best thing that we can do is continue to surrender our children to God and trust them with him. Um, I wrote down here, too, that one of the beautiful things about watching Jesus live his life on earth was watching how his dependence on God translated into obedience to God, regardless of what it looked like in the world, regardless of the end, you know, or what looked like the end of his life here on earth. And um, I think the same thing has to be true as we seek to parent and grandparent. Um, It's easy for us to want a parent in a way that will produce a desired outcome in our children. You know, I think so many of us fall into the trap of wanting to produce kids who will maybe act like Christians or kids who will listen, kids who will obey. But there's a difference between parenting in that way versus parenting that hopes for a heart transformation and for a child who will truly fall in love with Jesus and that God would do whatever it takes to bring them to him. And so um, I wrote down here, this is another sharing question. We'll just do this in the large group though. What do you feel like are the outcomes when we're parenting our children hoping for a certain outcome in their behavior versus parenting out of obedience to God? Parenting in a way that says, you know what? I spiritually lead my family because I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And whatever their response, however they're acting, that's, that is up to God, truly. But this is my offering to him, is to lead my family. What do you feel like are the differences between parenting, hoping for an outcome in our kids, versus parenting as worship to God? What would you say? Chris? Time. Say that again. Time. Time. What do you mean? Uh, how quick something happens, when it happens, mm. where, when. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Okay, right here. Yes, you guys go. Oh. <laughs> I think that uh, the parenting by outcomes, we, uh, in the past I've seen a lot of like fun show images of the, of the outcome I'm expecting. And so like I go into it expecting, well, this is a clear-cut outcome. You know, from uh, this type of, of leading, and then I see something completely different, and oftentimes not the healthiest response. Um, like when I was teaching my son how to how to throw a punch with a closed fist, and then you know, <laughs> like I never clocked anyone with that, you know, for a number of years. But and then, uh, but immediately, um, you know, he goes and punches his best friend, and so it's, it's it's the outcome that was perhaps predictable by some. Make a note that we need to teach our children how to punch with the, the closed fist. The closed okay. fist. Okay. Yep. They don't have that one down yet. Yeah, I, think, um, I think when you when you lead with with um, you know trying to follow God though, it's it's a similar thing to where you get unexpected results, but it's unexpectedly. Mm, that's great. And what were you going to add? Yeah. I was, I was going to say I think when you when you parent out of your abiding in God, out of your heart connection with Him, you, you aim to have that heart connection with your kids and have things come out of that rather than just telling them what to do. Mm. And. Um, and conversely, when you were talking about, we need to, um, gosh, how did you put it, be with God, I was like, one of the best ways that we can model him and how we're supposed to interact with him is actually getting down and doing things with our kids. Mm. So I know I'm in the wrong place in my heart often when I just, like, tell my kids that I'm like, I said to you, I'm going to give you this list of things to do, you go do it, I'm going to do something else, and I expect it to be done when I get done. Not a great method. Sometimes you got to do things like that, but, but you need to start in the place where you're actually modeling it with your child and having that heart connection because you don't, when you just 
try to get the outcome that you want, you sacrifice the relationship. That's so well said. When you try for the outcome, you sacrifice the relationship. Absolutely. Any other thoughts on that? The difference in our motivation. Is that Becky Fetzer? Okay, and then we're going to come up here. Yes. Um, I was just thinking if we try to parent them according to outcome, it actually creates a lot of anxiety in their life because we create a standard they can't live up to. And I think when we parent the other way, they experience, and we experience as well, both sides, we experience grace and forgiveness and we're really showing them what that looks I wish I had recorded you saying that. That is so beautiful. You know, when we're parenting, hoping for a desired outcome, that leads inevitably to crazy frustration, anger, heartbreak. I mean, if they can't, the outcome is up to God. No one will live up to what the desired outcome is. And yet when we do it as an offering to God, it's our faithfulness to him, and our children taste that. There's freedom and grace there. Yes. I think, well, actually to bounce off Tommy, Lily, and Becky, um, I think that when we parent according to an outcome, we, we find the frustration, but when we parent according to, like, our abiding God, we find more change in ourselves. Mm. So we're expecting change in our kids, but when we're going with Him and parenting for Him, we're finding more change in us. Absolutely, absolutely. Yes, let's have one more right here. So glad you shared that. And you know, oh yes, we'll do one more. It seems like in season today, I think a lot of that parenting by the outcome perspective creates idols in our kids. And, um, and let me just tell you, if you've got more than like two kids, you'll realize that how these came from the same. <laughs> such a great point. And I think you, you touch on something really good there. When we're parenting, hoping for behavior change or an outcome, and then we see it, it leads to, you said unwarranted pride earlier. We feel like, oh, good job. You know, I did it. I, I parented them well. And then when there's failure, which there will be, or disappointment or heartbreak, then all of a sudden that's devastating because we, we're the ones who blew it, you know. But when we're parenting out of obedience to God, 
we are willing to say, like Jesus, not my will, but yours. I will steward these children the best I know how. I'll trust you'll use my imperfections however you will, and I want you to do whatever you want to bring them to yourself. So um, it's, a, it's a, such a messy middle, like you said, about, or a messy middle in parenting, trusting God's sovereignty and parenting answering, as answering only to him while still intentionally pouring into our children and voicing to them the things we want to be teaching them. So Dave has some more practical things. I, uh, I want to put an exclamation point on this because I just want, I want to say something. Just because your kid is growing up in a Christian home does not mean that your kid is a Christian. Becoming a follower of Jesus Christ is a spiritual work that only God can do. And some of you have wonderful kids who are unregenerate, unrepentant, and you don't know it. They, they may look like Christians, but they're not. And here's why I want to make an exclamation point here. Because if we aren't careful, we can say things to our unregenerate kids like, sweetheart, that is not how Jesus wants us to act. And they don't know him. They don't love him yet. They've heard about him, but he doesn't live inside them. And what we're doing when we say things like that unintentionally is we are making Jesus the bad guy. We're setting up this image in their mind of a God who is already disappointed with them before they even come home. So we've got to be so careful that we aren't setting that up as their vision of Jesus before they even begin to follow him. Okay, um, so as we consider parenting as a form of discipleship, and as we know, Jesus is our model in all things. He was the master discipler. Let's talk as a group here. I want to hear from you. What are some ways that we see Jesus discipling his followers? How did he do it? Practical things. Okay, he's patient. What else? They ate together. They ate together. Okay, Jesus, I mentioned this at the first service, he just spent a lot of time with them. And I want to make this statement. There is no substitute for time in relationships. We know that with our friends. We want to get together with our friends and hear how they're doing. But I'll just be honest with you. I, I don't always think that way about my kids. There, there is no substitute for time in relationships. You've got to create space. It's in that space that we give God the chance to move in that relationship. What else did Jesus do to make disciples? He spoke clearly in stories that people He spoke clearly he taught them now listen it I'm, I'm telling us let's let's not discipline our unsaved children by using Jesus as a standard that they should be living up to but I'm not saying let's let's not teach them about what the Bible says we, we can still teach them we need to give them truth Jesus did this with his disciples I mean remember one time Peter started saying some crazy stuff and what did Jesus say get behind me Satan Sometimes we got to, well, don't say that. Don't say that to your kid. But sometimes we got to tell them the truth. Okay. What else? Yes. Sometimes he, uh, he always listened, but sometimes uh, Jesus would ask questions that would, he knew the answer, but he would, uh, he wanted them to think about. Awesome. You know, right now with our youth, we're doing, a, uh, a series. It's the questions of Jesus. And he asked the best questions. What do you want me to do for you? 
You know, he would, he would say things like, do you want to get well? What do people say about me? By the way, every single one of those questions I just said is a great question for your kid. I had a friend one time who said, every single person is a good book. And the way that we read their story is by asking them questions. We ask questions. We get to know them. We, we know that we do this with people. We got to ask our kids. They have stuff going on in their little heads. Even at, I can only speak to my kids' ages, at 9, 10, 11, even at 5. Some of the things that Claire is thinking are weird things. But <laughs> if I ask her, she will talk. And it's the cutest thing. We, this is how we get to know them. You got to get to know your kids. You know, we, we can think sometimes just because we're with them all the time, we know them. But that's not true. Ask questions. Yes. And be sure when, when you ask them questions, or when they ask us questions, not to tell them too much. To actually um, answer only what they ask. Yeah. And, and be willing to say, I don't know. Mm. But, you know, we can look in Scripture, we can look in the Bible, we can I talk to other people. I mean, I That's great. In the back, yes. Uh, take time at, uh, every evening uh, to read with them, do some kind of Bible study with them, and pray. Mm-hmm. Praying with your kids, reading the Bible. I would take that... I think there's two sides of this. I think it's great to read the Bible with your kids, especially kids who've said, hey, I want to I wanna follow Jesus, but wouldn't it be awesome if our kids knew what it looked like to follow Christ because they've been watching us for 10, 12, 15 years? They already know. They... They've been watching you. Paul said, follow me as what? As I follow Christ. It just, people knew when they looked at Paul, they're like, okay, that's what it looks like to follow Jesus. Yeah. He rested and he took time away from them to spend with the Lord. Mm. And again, that goes along. He modeled what it looked like to trust Christ. That was awesome. That's awesome. Eric. He, uh, he brought them along. Say that again. He gave them responsibility. He gave them stuff to do. I mentioned it at the first service. He got to a point where he was like, hey, I want you guys to go out in twos and start to proclaim the coming of the kingdom. He gave them stuff to do. And maybe that looks like for you, taking your kids to a soup kitchen or to serve somewhere, giving them opportunities. Yeah, Fetz. He gave them room to fail. Mm. Didn't necessarily cover that up. He gave them room to fail. Do your kids have space to fail or is the standard something that Jesus doesn't even apply to us? We got to give our kids room to fail and they got to, I mean, we get to be the ones that model for them how to follow Christ. We also get to be the ones that model for them what grace looks like, what forgiveness looks like. Yeah. And don't be afraid to ask forgiveness. Amen. Anybody have to do this? I th- honestly, uh, we... We make a lot of mistakes in parenting. We all do. I mean, I say we, but I'm, I'm talking about me specifically. I can think of one time last summer, I got so mad at Sydney. I, I won't get into the story, but I, I got so angry. And with, within a few minutes, like God ripped my heart open. What are you doing, Dave? This was such a petty, silly little thing. And I had to come to Sydney and say, I am so sorry. This is not the dad that I want to be to you. And you know what? I think sometimes failing and asking for forgiveness is better than not failing at all. It models for our kids that we mess up too. 
You need his grace, I need his grace. And it made us closer. I think we're closer after me apologizing than before the whole thing even happened. So thank you so much for saying that. One or two more. Yes. Jesus wasn't afraid of where Jesus wasn't afraid of where other people are. That's right. Jesus met people where they were. You know, we, we need to make sure that we're not forcing our kids to believe something they're not quite ready to believe yet. God will move in his time. Yeah. He cast vision over. Oh, thank you, Eric. He told them who they were. Peter, you are the rock. And on this rock, I will build my church. Do you think Peter walked away with a different vision of who he was after that? We need to tell our kids who they are or what? Somebody else will. The world will. We have to speak vision into our kids. Yes. He loved his enemies, and I'm not saying our children are enemies, but they're, they're mm. that really disappointed me. But I love them. Amen. It's an art, isn't it? Like we have to discipline, we have to tell them when they've blown it, but they need to know at a deeper level. And I love you. It's okay. There's room to fail. Thank you. Last, any last things to share? Yes. Jesus told them who they were, but first he went and asked his father. Mm. So we ask God, he'll tell us things, surprising things about our children. We would have no way of knowing outside of the Holy Spirit. And we can speak their identity from the Father's heart. That's awesome. And I don't think we ever stop longing to hear that stuff. I think... Um, you know, like Jesus with Peter gave him this vision for what he would be. I think it's also powerful to say what you see in them right now. You know, what to, to repeat to them, gosh, when you were leading that game on the playground, that made me think you, people want to follow you. You might have a gift of leadership. Or I love how you run to someone when they're hurt. That's, I mean, that, that starts when they're little. But honestly, I would love to hear my own mom say something like that to me. You know, say like, gosh, when you're parenting, Melissa, look at, look at this, or this is who you are. We don't ever stop wanting to hear that from our parents. So I would say speaking who they are and who they could be is a lifetime deal, you know, of what, what children want from their parents. Um, I, I was looking over my notes. You guys, you guys said everything that I had written down to say for how we can model our parenting of our children after how Jesus discipled his followers. We wanted to just give you, uh, did we touch on that practical there that you were going to share? Oh, this is good. Um, mm. Get ready, I, guys. I think this is actually like so simple, but I think about this all the time in my own parenting. Um, I had a friend once, her children just were so awesome. They, you know, were walking with Jesus and just really pretty fabulous kids. And I remember saying, I know, I know, I know the outcome is all up to God. I totally believe that. But what did you do? You know, like, <laughs> and she, uh, one of the things she said is like, you're right. You know, this is, this was God's plan for them. But one of the things I swore by is that I just said, I always want to keep them talking. And we hit on this a little bit, but I think starting from the time they are so little until this is another lifetime thing, but they, they want to know that we are seeking to genuinely and authentically know them. And so even as you were talking about apologizing, I remember you saying to Sydney, can you tell me that what that was like for you when I spoke like that to you? 
And that is powerful, you know, to say, I want to understand you. Your heart matters to me. Tell me what it was like when I hurt you. Tell me what it was like to watch that kid at school get bullied. Tell me what that episode of PJ Masks was like. Tell me what it's like planning your wedding. Like, I, th- this goes all over the place, but I think as far as building relationship with our children, we have to be ready to receive their words day or night. And, and I'm bad at this because I am an 8.45, 9 o'clock bedtime girl. And our sweet middle child is ready to connect at night. And so it's something that I'm like praying about <laughs> is that God would give me energy to turn my light back on and let her tell me the things that she's thinking about, that I could be present to that. Because I think more than anything else, this idea of we're the ones who know them the best and they're our favorite. That's what we want them to feel from their parents. You know, no matter what what happens in life. So I love that. Just keep them talking. Um, we're about out of time. We want to give you a few minutes uh, here at the end to just ask questions or offer things that you might hope that when we do meet together, uh, we might have the chance to talk about. But I just wanted to close with this one thought. Um, we can only start from where we are right now. Psalm 139, 17 says, In your book, all my days were written before one of them came to be. God is writing a story with your life. He's writing a story with your kids' lives. The the days are already written. He's never surprised by any mistake they make, by any mistake you make as their parent. It's all part of the story, and it can be rich. So you may be here without kids. Not, Not too much practical for you to do yet. Actually, let's not talk about what you could do practically to make to become a parent. But uh, we might have some folks here that your kids are in their 20s or 30s. You are always a parent. The role of parenting, we don't graduate from it. And so be learning, be asking. God, how are you asking me to be a different and better parent in this season of life? All of us can only start from where we are today. And so our hope is that, you know, this is not an exhaustive seminar on how you can leave here and be an effective parent who disciples your kids. But maybe you would grab one thing from today or two things that you would just write down and say, you know, I'm, I'm going to apply that. I'm going to, you know, one of the things I try to do every year, I try to have an overnight with my, my older girls. Me and Sydney and Libby will go, we'll stay in a hotel somewhere and Jesus, he pulled people away from the crowds and they had a memory together. Um, I try to take my girls on dates and get one-on-one with them so I can actually ask some of these deeper questions. Maybe you would just jot down, here's here's one or two things that I'm gonna start doing. And I wanna tell you something else. I asked Alan Janey the other day. I'm like, Alan, tell me how you are thinking about discipling your kids. And he had some great things to share. And here's why I bring that up. There are people in this room who are thinking about this and who are doing something about it. And we need, to, we need to talk to each other. So ask some other people in this room. You want to bring it home? Yeah, I, I think um, oh, I had one thought while you were talking, but now I'm forgetting it. Okay, the, the final thing I'll just say is we hope this is the beginning of parents in our church beginning to pick each other's brains. You know, we, this might be one of the only times that Dave and I lead together because our hope is to bring some of our more seasoned parents in to share, to bring people from the outside in to teach us and give us stuff to talk about. Um, but 
the hope is that we really are just beginning to hold this goal in front of us and keep moving towards it intentionally, you know, that, that we wouldn't be people who let the spiritual nature of parenting fall off our plates, but that we would keep moving towards it um, for the sake of our children. So next week, um, we have the head of school from Faith Christian coming to, over here to talk to us, and I'm very excited about it. He's actually going to give a, uh, it's a pretty foundational talk about the way that we see our children and how we parent out of that. What's our paradigm for our view of our children in view of God's glory? And so I feel really excited to hear, hear from him. So he'll be here next week, and then we'll, we'll do this twice more in the spring. But um, are we supposed to be over at 1045? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think you can ask that last question. Okay, okay. Let's, let's take two minutes for this last question. We so. just were going to write down a few things. Um, if you all would share... Uh, what you would be hoping for in times like this. Uh, We have some ideas, but we just wanted to open it up to you guys to hear from you. Like, what do you feel like would be beneficial things to talk about in our times together during these meetings? Any thoughts or anything like jump to your brain when we ask that question? Yes. Testimonies. Oh, my gosh, I'm so glad you said that. That's great. Discipline. Discipline. Okay. Learning that when you speak to your children, judgmental of what they say, you need to listen to them and help them through whatever that issue is. Mm, it's great. great. Yeah. Oh, hi. I think service is so important because it gets us out of ourselves. Yeah. That is a great question. So good. And there are probably some people here in this room, I can think of uh, Andy and Becky Fetzer, the first ones that come to my mind, that could speak more to that. But I, I would also say um, there's not a right or a wrong answer to this, but I, I think if your kids uh, are resisting it, I don't think I would personally force that. Because again, that, that is teaching them this is what you have to do to be a good Christian. And it, and it kind of paints this picture of a God that's like, disappointed, frustrated, following Christ isn't fun. It's sitting down with my family and listening to this devotional again. Um, again, well, like once their hearts have been turned on and made alive in Christ, they want that. Like that, the spirit will see to it. So it's tricky, but I, mean, it, I, I also think we need to give opportunities like that so that the spirit does have a chance to grab their heart. Anyway, great one. We will mm-hmm. tackle that. Someone else will. <laughs> Mistakes, what they're, what they're really, because a lot of times you just. 
Last one. I'd say uh, maybe something on the evolution of the parent-child relationship. Uh, as a child hits different uh, milestones in life. Mm. That's great. Yeah, we'll have different parents from different generations. That's, that's awesome. Hey, let me pray for us, and then we're going to have about 10 minutes until the 11 o'clock service. Thank you guys for coming. Father, if there is an area where we are so intimately aware of our need, it is this. We oftentimes don't know how to be good parents and how to be creating the right kind of climate and environment so that our kids might come to know you. But we want to steward this responsibility well. Would you guide us and lead us as we have opportunity together in this room? God, I pray that things would be said in this room that would lead to actually kids being different forever. That the way we begin parenting as a product or as a result of coming to this time together would lead to spiritual fruit, real spiritual fruit in the lives of our kids. Lord, thank you for your grace which covers over all of our weaknesses. We are desperate for you. In Christ's name, amen.